Episcopal bells are ringing early today. <laughs> hmm. Our first gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of John. Hear now these words of Jesus. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. And this reading from the Gospel of Matthew. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. Will you pray with me? O oh, gracious and loving God, may the words of our hearts and our minds and our souls be pleasing unto you this day and forevermore. Amen. <clears throat> Prayer has received some pretty bad press this week, and I can understand why. There is wailing and weeping and loud lamentation, and they could not be consoled because their children were no more. Prayer won't bring those children back. Prayer, if only hollow words, won't stop the next massacre. Prayer, if only words, won't keep our children or any of us safe. And so we've heard the outcry this week to stop with all the inconsequential thoughts and prayers. And so perhaps it's ironic, or perhaps it's divine, that the lectionary scripture reading that we just heard from the Gospel of John is actually a prayer. It is one of Jesus' final prayers on the cusp of him being betrayed, arrested, and crucified. It's a profound, mystical, priestly prayer to God asking that his disciples be well cared for. And it almost comes as his last will and testament. It's Jesus' last round of instructions. It's a plea that God and his followers, and that includes us, to remember these things. And it is primarily a prayer for unity. Jesus begins his prayer, I ask not only on behalf of these, meaning his original disciples, 
but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word. That means us, that they may all be one. It is the very prayer that appears on the logo of our United Church of Christ, that they may all be one. It is the prayer that inspired the very name of our denomination, United Church of Christ. It is our congregation's tagline, diverse in thought, united in Christ. Well, the unity that Christ speaks of is grounded in the holy relationship between God and Jesus, but he includes us in that unity. The love that is shared between them is extended to us as well. It is a love that is in them and in us. It is not some external grace. It is in us. It's not them, God and Jesus, and us. It's all of us together, one big, united, holy family. We are in this together. Well, the essence of the being of Jesus is his sharing all that he is with others. And so what we receive is also to be shared with others. In unity, we become a living chain across time. It's love flowing from parent to child, to friends, to all of us, knowing that we are united in Christ's love and grace. It strengthens us for our lives, our journey. Claiming that unity informs how we live. Remember what Gandhi said when asked what's, what his message was? He said, my life is my message. Or as St. Francis said, preach the good news, use words if necessary. The way we live is deeper than what we say, which is ultimately what will change the world. Jesus' prayer also recognizes that he knew that being his disciples and following his teachings would not always be easy. In fact, it's hard work. He understood the magnitude of the challenges the disciples would face. He recognized how essential it was to have companions for encouragement and support along the way. He knew that God created us to be in relationship. And it is in community that we find ourselves and we find God. God is revealed through us and God is revealed to us by one another. So yes, Jesus' prayer for us is that we remember how deeply we are loved and united with him. But it is also his reminder of the mission that we are called to participate in together. So yes, Jesus is sending us his thoughts and prayers, but is he is also calling us to action. And he is calling us to be united in Christ, united in love as a community as we move about the world fulfilling this mission. And how blessed we are to be the community of the First Congregational Church of Western Springs. And we need all of us loving and supporting one another to carry out our mission. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, in a Christian community, everything depends upon whether each individual is an indispensable link in a chain. 
Only when even the smallest link is securely interlocked is the chain unbreakable. Every part affects the whole. In other words, we don't just welcome you or accept you, we need you. We are insufficient without you. Well, I felt that holy linkage this week. If any of you had the unfortunate experience of being around me the past several days, you know that in light of the Robb Elementary School shootings, I've been gloomy and weepy and mopey and then outraged and short-tempered. And then I started to go down the very dark rabbit hole of feeling hopeless and convincing myself that there was simply nothing, not one thing, that I could do to try and prevent anything like this happening again. And then I attended our Thursday morning book group, and there I found Christ's love. There I found community that Christ envisioned, a community where we could share our lament, our anger, our deep, deep sadness, and we were able to share our fears for our own children and our grandchildren. We were able to express our complete bewilderment over how our country has become so violent. And in the end, we were able to say we weren't sure what we would do, but we weren't going to give up trying. And in this united little community, hope blossomed once more. Cole Arthur Riley, in her beautiful book, This Here Flesh, writes, Belonging is both a gift received and a gift given. There is comfort in being welcomed, but there is dignity in knowing that your arrival just shifted a group toward deeper wholeness. Your arrival just shifted a group toward deeper wholeness. Each and every one of you shifts this congregation toward a deeper wholeness. Each and every one of you, grounded in Christ's love, shifts the world toward a deeper wholeness. We may be very diverse in thought about how we go about changing the world for the better, but united in Christ, there is always, always hope. Consider these words from Vaclav Havel, a leading figure who helped overturn communism in Czechoslovakia. He stated, hope in a deep and powerful sense is not the same thing as optimism, that things are going well, or investing in enterprises that are obviously headed for success. Rather, hope is an ability to work for something because it is good. Hope is an ability to work for something because it is good, not just because it stands a chance to succeed. The more difficult the situation in which we demonstrate hope, the deeper that hope is. We must not give up. We must never give up. And I don't like repeating myself, but given the events of the week, I feel compelled to repeat what I shared last week in light of the Buffalo shootings this week. And I share with you Rob Bell's approach to prayer. Don't ask God to answer a prayer if you are the answer to the prayer. 
Thoughts and prayers, yes, but also action. Be the answer. Contribute to the answer. So I hope that you hold Jesus' prayer in your hearts. May we all be one, united in love. And may the experience of that indwelling love empower us to not turn away from the weeping and the lamentation, for their children are no more. And may these beautiful words from Sarah Bessie be both our prayer and our call to action. She wrote this week, May poets and prophets and policymakers arise in holy courage and conviction. May psalmists and pragmatists and pastors cry out for justice. May you hold the powerful wicked ones accountable and turn AR-15s into garden tools. May you gather around the grieving in strong love that protects. May you not give in to despair. May you contend for the vulnerable. May you be a thorn in the side of the enemy that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. It doesn't have to be this way. May it be so. Amen.